me just tee this up for you real briefly. Going back, when we looked at this in the beginning, Jesus had two crowds. He first had invitation only uh, with the religious group. Then he went out from the religious group, and he had the religious group and the worldly people. They were both coming together. And Jesus gives this parable because in Luke 15 and 1, it says, And all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching Jesus and listening to him, and the Pharisees and scribes began to be bitter, and they began to complain, saying, This man takes on sinners like they were old friends. And, well, that's the heart of this whole story. It's the heart of the message. It's the heart of what God is doing today. You'll have to bear with me this morning. I've uh, been struggling all week with the stuff that's going around. But we want to talk today about the good, the good woman. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the good shepherd. Today, we're looking at the good woman. You remember a couple of weeks ago when Jesus looked at this religious crowd, he came to them, and we looked at how he really aggravated them by simply comparing them to a shepherd and how a shepherd had a, one of the lowest tasks that there was. To be a shepherd was not a position of prominence. You remember a couple of weeks ago I told you the only thing in biblical days that you could be compared to worse than a shepherd would be to be a keeper of the pigs for a Jewish person or a woman. No offense, women, but it's just how it was in biblical days. If you were a lady, you were not elevated, <clears throat> elevated to a position of prominence. And so as we look at this, it brings it into a new capacity and a new direction of what God is doing. So a couple of weeks ago, he looked at that religious crowd and he compared them to a shepherd. Today, he looks at them and says, let me tell you the story of this woman. And here's what he says. He goes here in Luke 15. In verse 8, and he says, or what woman? Now, go back, and he says, which one of you, in the, about the sheep, he says, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and lost one, wouldn't go and find the one that you lost? So he compared them. Or, in verse 8, he comes back, and he says, or what woman has ten silver coins if she loses one? If she loses one wouldn't go out and begin to look for it. I mean, it says that she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she searches carefully, the woman calls her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin that I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is more joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So as we look at this today, Jesus, like a good attorney, I mean, he's driving his point home. He's making his closing argument to the religious crowd, the crowd that said, you can only belong if you look like us, act like us, talk like us, and, and be like we are. And for so much of our world today, that's where religion is. And we, there's no diversity in religion. Matter of fact, as we are on the verge of being a church that is trying to break through and be a multi-ethnic, multi-dimensional, multicultural church, we understand that there is only 2.5% of evangelical churches that are a multicultural church. Now, I mean, have you ever drove around and said, well, there's a lot of churches in Alexandria. 
I mean, you can go down just about any little old dead-end road in Louisiana and you'll stumble across a church. There's, the, the issue is not a shortage of churches, but a shortage of the power of God. Now, magnify that across the United States. And out of all those churches, there's only 2.5% of them that are a multidimensional church that have other than, other than people like me. And what Jesus is trying to drive home to the religious crowd is that I came to seek and to save those which were lost. I came to give a hope and a future to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl from A to Z. From the beginning to the end, I come to give life and give it more abundantly. And the problem was that they thought they had a monopoly on the power of God. They thought they had a monopoly on the will of God. That's where religion is today. I mean, today. If you find some diehards and some fanatics in certain religions, they will tell you that you cannot go to heaven unless you're part of their religion, unless you belong to them and you have been baptized the way they decreed, if you've gone through the process the way they decreed. I'm telling you today that there is no man, there is no woman, there is no boy, there is no girl, there is no religion that went to the cross for you, but Jesus Christ, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, period, went to the cross for you. And today what God is trying to do in our hearts and life is liberate us from the tyranny of religion. That's what this whole parable is about, the tyranny of religion. You said, oh, I thought it was about a lost sheep, and a lost coin, a lost son. It is. But they were just the power of the story to drive home the point of what God was trying to communicate in each and every one of our hearts in our lives. Jesus is continuing to show the emphatic love that he has for sinners over religion by demonstrating the value of a sinner. Wow, the value of a sinner. I mean, I tell you today, you find somebody broke down in wits in corner and they may not know which way's up, but they don't feel like they have much value. They may feel like there's no value in their life, but God looked ahead of time and saw them before they ever were born, before they ever committed the sin, and he knew the direction they would go in. He knew the pathway they would follow, and he said, I love them enough to die for them and give them a hope and a future. Are you picking up what I'm putting down, church? So in this passage of Scripture, he shares this story of the woman who lost the coin. And what he is doing here is very clearly trying to show... The crisis, the great crisis, the great loss. I mean, have you ever lost your keys? Some of you said, I lost them this morning. Have you ever been delayed going somewhere because you couldn't find the key to the vehicle to get you there? Have you ever lost a phone? Have you ever lost anything? I mean, it's just like all everything stops. And I mean, you're digging frantically and you're looking and you're searching and Lord, help us if it's raining outside. And you stop and you look for it. And this lady lost a coin in her home. Now, the important thing to remember is, have you ever told your spouse, you were just right here? It, it, I don't know where it could be. I was just right here. I haven't gone anywhere. It can't be lost. I was just right here. Well, this woman was just right there. I mean, in the Bible days, probably the average home was about 300 square feet. About the size of a hotel room. I mean, it's not that big of an area to lose it. And the houses were very 
dimly lit. There was not, there was not much light coming into the home. And so it's important to know that she lit a lamp. Now, now underline that in your Bible where it says she lit a lamp. Matter of fact, say that with me for a moment. She lit a lamp. Say that with me, church. She lit a lamp because that's important today. I'm coming back to it in just a minute, amen. She lit this lamp and she began to search frantically because there was a crisis. There was a loss. You say, Pastor, it was just one coin. You remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at it and it was just one sheep. I mean, he had a hundred. It was just one sheep. It was just one little lamb that went astray. I mean, come on, he had 99 more. It was just one coin. But that one coin equaled a third of her monthly income. A third of her monthly income. Can you say that's a lot? That's a lot. I mean, just lose a third of your paycheck somewhere. It changes the way you live the rest of the month, doesn't it? And the problem is that it catches up with the next month. I mean, if you lost a third of your income for one month, even if it came back the next month, you still are what? Behind. Because you lost a third. So this lady lost a third of her income. It was just one coin. But it was just one third of her monthly income. And so she began to look for it frantically. The Bible gives us several descriptions of this. She says she swept the house. Matter of fact, as you look at this, when we think about it, we see that it was very interesting what she was doing. There was this great crisis. So the great crisis, the great loss, led to the great search and rescue. See, she was willing to exhaust more energy, more resources, more effort. Are you with me, church? She, I mean, she put everything on hold. I mean, have you ever been trying to go somewhere and you were delayed because you couldn't find the keys, amen? Everything stops. I mean, for this lady, when a third of her income was on the line, she stopped working, she stopped playing, she stopped entertaining, she stopped walking down the street, she stopped going to the park, and she began to exhaust all of her energy she began to give more resources to finding the coin because the coin had great value there's five dollars in this building somewhere today that's lost if i said a hundred you'd quit listening and start getting up and looking for it the fact that the five dollars is lost doesn't negate the value of the five dollar bill Oh, stay with me. Are you with me, church? Just because $5 is out of reach, just because $100 is out of your grasp, and you don't remember where you put it, I'm telling you today, it doesn't diminish the value of the $500, the $500, the $100, the $5, whatever it may be, still has the value. That's why the search party begins. See, she was willing to exhaust more. She was willing to give up her time. She was willing to give up her resources. She was willing to give up her energy. She was willing to do it all by herself. Did you notice she didn't call her neighbors to come help her look? She did it alone. You remember a couple of weeks ago, the shepherd, he went and he did it what? Alone. Alone he went and looked for that little lamb. That sheep that it went astray. The 
the woman began to look alone for her. I don't know. I mean, maybe the woman was embarrassed to tell her friends, man, I, I was foolish enough to lose a third of my income. And so she did it alone. Did you know today that while she was searching frantically for that coin, while she was sweeping, while she was lighting the lamp, while she was scurrying through the home, did you know the coin did absolutely nothing to be found? The coin did nothing to be found but lay there lifeless. Yes, it had value. Yes, it represented a third of her income. But the coin did not jump up and say, here I am, here I am. It didn't leave a trail of hints that says you're getting a little warmer. You're getting a little warmer. You're Oh, you're hot, hot, hot. Oh, you're cold. No, 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 that's not how it worked. The coin laid there lifeless. The, ooh, the coin didn't even know it was being searched for. The, ah, let's go a little bit deeper. The coin didn't even know it was lost. Oh, lean in for just a moment. I'm telling you, that's where you and I were in our life. We were lost and we didn't know it. We were at a dead-end street and we didn't even know it was dead-end. Well, I'm telling you, we didn't know we were lost. We didn't know we were undone. We kept working frantically in our flesh to work it out, to come up with a pathway forward, to come up with a new strategy. I've got to do this. And we didn't even know we were lost. We didn't even know the bridge was out. And we didn't even realize it. The coin did not know it was lost. The coin did not do anything to be found. But the person who loved the coin searched for the coin because the coin had value. Did you know today there's somebody, there's somebody that's a searching for you and you may not even know it. And his name is Jesus Christ. I am telling you that before you were ever born, Jesus was on a mission to seek and to save those which were lost. When he died on the cross, the Bible says he died once and for all, for all of those in the past and for all of those in the present and for all of those in the future with one sweeping act of the finished work of Calvary, with the whipping of the cat of nine tails Jesus Christ was completing everything for every man woman boy and girl I'm telling you you were lost and you didn't even know it somebody was looking for you and you didn't even know it oh my goodness the great search the great value did you know the value of the coin at the time as I said was about a third of her monthly income but you know that's not really what gives value what gives value is what somebody's willing to pay for. That's where you say, come on, pastor. The value of what somebody's willing to pay for something determines the real value. You say, oh, pastor, that's not market value. I'm telling you, market value only matters if you're going to the bank to get something. And the only time appraisals matter is when you're having to have somebody give you money, loan you money to justify the value is in what you're trying to acquire. But I am telling you, that does not equate value. 
Sometimes somebody looks at the value of something and says, I'm willing to pay more for that house. It's next door to somebody I like. It's next to my labor. I love that pond. I'm willing to pay more in market value for it just so I can sip my coffee and watch the bass jump in the morning at that lake and overlook that in the morning. Somebody else may say, I don't care if it's worth more than that. I don't care what the market value is. Here's what I am willing to pay for it. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Oh, I'm telling you today, that coin had so much value to that woman. She stopped what she was doing. She exhausted her resources. She exhausted her energy. And by herself, she looked for it frantically. Oh, oh my goodness gracious, I'm telling you today that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ looked at us as helpless, broken sinners. Some of us were sitting in the church house and we had it all together and we had good jobs and we were dignified and we were highly respected in the community. And Jesus looked at us and said, I love them in spite of their successes. I love them in spite of their failures that they have failed to even recognize. Recognize. Are you with me, church? Say amen. I'm telling you, that Jesus looked down into the prison cell and he saw somebody still doing time. And he says, I love them in their brokenness. I love them in their dysfunction. I love them in their hardship. One of the most imprinting times of my life was when I was in Angola. And a friend of mine was the chaplain of Angola Penitentiary. And as we was there, we was going through one of the big uh, headquarters. There were it was a multi-family where there was a bunch of people living in one room there in Angola. And all of a sudden, we came to this one guy. And I'll never forget, Robert Tony was there. And we stumbled across this guy. And he said, Pastor Robert, how could God love me? These hands killed somebody. These hands are covered in blood. And Pastor Robert looked at him and he said, I want you to understand something, son. He said, those hands were covered in blood of an innocent man. But now your life is covered in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And now you can have hope. Now you can have a future. Yes, you may stay locked down in prison, but you can have hope and have a future while you're waiting to get there. I stumbled across another guy there, and he said, you know something? He said, I'm in Angola. My son's over in Mississippi in prison. And he said, I want you to know something, Pastor. He said, if I had to come to Angola and spend the rest of my free life locked up to find Jesus Christ. It was worth spending the rest of my free life locked up in Angola to find Jesus Christ and spend the rest of eternity in freedom than to spend the rest of my free life running and roaming here on planet Earth and spend the rest of eternity locked up, separated from Jesus in outer darkness, in hell, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Are you with me, church? And so Jesus looked at people in prison. He looked at people in boardrooms. He looked at people in church houses. He looked at people in the, in the prostitution ring. He looked at people when they were shooting up in the back of a bedroom somewhere. And they were drug addicts and they didn't know where to turn. He looked at them when they were broken. He looked at them and said, you know something, the rest of the world may not give a rip about them. The rest of the world may not care for them. But I 
love enough to exhaust all of my resources, to exhaust all of my energy and go to the cross for them. And on the cross of Calvary, I want you to know there wasn't a disciple that took the licks for him. There wasn't a disciple that wore the crown of thorns. There wasn't a disciple that went down the Via Della Rosa and carried the cross for him. There wasn't a disciple that was hung naked on the cross. There wasn't a disciple that rose up and said, take my cloak and put it over the body of the Messiah. No, sir. No, ma'am. It was by himself. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He went to Pilate's hall. He faced the judgment. He faced the wrath by himself. You know who? For you. You know why? Because he looked at you when you yourself thought you had no value. And he said, I think I can do something with that person. Because you see, you see yourself for the failures. I mean, when you, when you go to buy something, what do you do? You make a list of everything that's wrong. I mean, you never went and bought a car and went in there and said, okay, here's the price I'm giving you because all these things are right with it. I'm giving you this much because the air condition blows so cold. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this price because of the, the nice wheels or the lack of scratches. No, no, no. When you go to buy a vehicle, you go in there and you, ah, well, I'm going to give you this for cash. I'll give you this cash money because, you know, it has a little dent on the back. And you know, that tire, that, that wheel's a little skin up. And you make your list of everything that's wrong. And you say, because all this is wrong, here's what it's worth to me. And Jesus looked, Jesus looked at that list of everything that was wrong. And he said, because all that's wrong, I am willing to give you a premium for your life. The most that I can give is myself. And Jesus took people who were once far off and he brought them near by the blood of himself. No greater love is this. A man lay down his life for us. All by himself he did. And then there was a great party. A woman found the coin. All by herself. She called her neighbors. She called her friends. And she said come rejoice with me. The coin that was lost. Was found. And Jesus says. As a good attorney. Making his case to the religious crowd. He says. I tell you there is more joy. In the presence of the angels. Over one sinner. Who repents. Than over. This is my part of the translation. Then over church after church after church that are filled with self-inflated saints. You remember I asked you to underscore that phrase, she lit a light? <laughs> Jesus lit the light. And he said, I am the light of the world. If any man follows me, he will not walk. book of revelation it says there's no need 
for the moon, for the sun, for the stars. Because the Lamb is the light. See, that woman had to light a lamp to find the coin, but Jesus just had to show up. Because out of him emanates, it, it just radiates the excellency of God. Let me close with this. You remember in the Old Testament when they put that Moses came down from the mountain? He was so bright after being with God, they had to put the veil on him and said, dude, you're blinding us. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was, it was translucent. It, it, it was so bright, Peter, James, and John couldn't even look upon Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm telling you that God is here today in the form of the Holy Spirit. To illuminate behind your veil your list that says, I'm not worthy. And the Holy Spirit will begin to illuminate that. And the Holy Spirit will settle the account. Not by the work of the Spirit. Not by the work of the Holy Spirit, but by the finished work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're there at home this morning and you're saying, Pastor, what do I do? Where do I start? Right where you are, just say, Lord Jesus, here's my life. Commit it to him. Just give it all to Jesus, like some people are doing here today. And just commit your life to him and sell out. And then find you a church somewhere to plug into. And if you're in driving distance of Family of Grace, come plug in. We break through these barriers and we try to make a difference for the glory of God. If you're not, then find you a Bible-believing church somewhere to plug in and make the most of your life that God values so much that he would give his son Jesus.